0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: Good morning. It's Monday, October 4th. You are listening to the College Football Daily. My name is Trey Scott. I'm here to recap the winners and losers from week five with Robbie Weinstein of 24-7 Sports. And Robbie, I've got you on because you cover Vanderbilt. For twenty four seven sports, you're a big college football fan. You work on our twenty four seven sports national desk as well. So I think this episode is going to be half winners, losers, and then half your takeaways, your dispatch of sorts from Vanderbilt, Connecticut. Oh yeah, night here in Nashville. So thanks, thanks for playing along. And you know, if Barton Simmons is listening, I I want him to know this is going to be a, a pleasant podcast. Vanderbilt won, and I was rooting for them to win hard, but we got to talk about you know being at that game. So we'll get to that in a second, but My first question for you, Robbie, like when you, when you look at week five, we have nine AP top 25 teams lost and you got the AP poll coming out Sunday in which Cincinnati is number five. And and it's the first time a G five team has been in the top five since 2011 Boise state. That's according to max, max Olson is Cincinnati, your slam dunk, big winner of Saturday and of week five period.
0: Yeah, I, I think so. And it's not only because of that win over Notre Dame, but it helps that Oregon lost right and so the Pac-12 I think is going to have a hard time getting a team getting a team in the playoff uh, what else is new you know that that's the same thing as every year and then with Clemson being down in the ACC that kind of creates an opening right you know it looks like the SEC will get two teams in probably but especially if you know Oklahoma loses a game Ohio State has already lost we'll see what happens in the Big 10 you know Cincinnati the combination of them both looking fantastic so far this season getting the two road wins against Indiana and Notre Dame and maybe another good game in the AAC championship game. I mean, if they win out, I definitely think they'll deserve to be in the playoff. I hope it happens, but uh, it really helps that things are going their way in the ACC and the PAC 12, I think.
1: Yeah. And I was, I was texting Chris Hummer this on Saturday night. I was at a wedding um, that I I think the big 12 is, is about to be in a position again where it cannibalizes itself. Yep. Uh, we saw a little bit of that wackiness on Saturday. Oklahoma staved off Kansas State. Texas staves off TCU. Oklahoma State surprised me by winning by 10. That was the, the one game I lost this week on our College Football Daily Picks. But the, the biggest surprise was Texas Tech beating West Virginia. This is a West Virginia team that came in in Norman, yeah. Oklahoma last week and looked legit. And Texas Tech had just been rocked by Texas. And for Texas Tech to knock off West Virginia, I think it it forebodes the Big 12 being this... You know, could Texas beat OU and then lose in the Big 12 title game? You know, does Iowa State make an appearance? What does Oklahoma State do? Does Baylor have a laugh? I think, I think, I think the Big 12 could be in a weird spot as well. The Big Ten, and you know what, Robbie, and and you have Big Ten ties too, having gone to school at Northwestern as well. Before we get to the Big Ten, I just want to make sure as. You know, it, it is week five. Week five's over. We're entering week six. I think all September, college football media sort of made this pact not to really start discussing the playoff. Are we in agreement that it, it's okay now to to wade into those waters?
0: I think it's okay. You know, we're a couple games into conference play, depending on, you know, depending on the conference. Like, for instance, Vanderbilt, the team that I cover has only played one conference game. But overall, I think it's okay. And then with, you know, for instance, with Ohio State, not only have they played a couple of conference games, but they played Oregon, right? So a lot, a lot of these top teams, Georgia has has played Arkansas, which has at least entered the week in the top 10, even though they're not there anymore. Uh, I presume. And Alabama has played some good teams. I think we've got enough of a sample size here where we can start to look at it.
1: Yeah, good. Uh, I, I'm glad we agree. So with that said, in the Big Ten landscape, I didn't really have any massive winners and losers here. I was I was proud of Michigan for going on the road and being in yeah. Wisconsin thirty eight to seventeen. I know that that's been a tough place for Jim Harbaugh. In the past, Graham Mertz was eight for fifteen and then left the game, was hospitalized afterwards. It's maybe fair to wonder if, if he's you know, if he's played his last game as Wisconsin Badger with that with that just not working. Right. Iowa blasting Maryland fifty one to fourteen. I think they're they're a big winner. They're number four now. No, I'm sorry, they're number three now. They jumped Penn State. They play each other this week. And I didn't catch much of Penn State, Indiana. That that was an absolute snoozer, twenty four to zero. Nittany yeah. Lions. But this is for my money, this is the most intriguing conference
0: race. Yeah, I think there's more depth at the top, way more than I was expecting. I didn't think Michigan State would be having the season that they're that they're having. Uh, Iowa with that statement. When I mean Michigan State, five and zero. Yeah, I mean the last win was Western Kentucky by seventeen points. That's not that impressive, but uh, I still, I just kind of like the way that they have played. Kenneth Walker is is a beast. Uh, of course, Penn State, Michigan, better than I expected. Uh, I already mentioned Iowa. I think Ohio State, you know, at the end of the season is going to be probably in the general vicinity of the top five. Uh, Maryland, I get that they just got crushed, but uh, that's still a good team, I think. And then Nebraska has, like, actually shown some life uh, this Mm -hmm. season. I know that they're only three and three, but... I mean, that's setting up for a team, you know, they may only go like seven and five or something like that. But that's a pretty tough team to be toward the bottom of that uh, Big Ten West. And like, I would not be surprised, you know, if Iowa can go into that final game, for instance, maybe uh, 10 and one or even undefeated. You know, that that final game of the regular season is at Nebraska. And I think Nebraska can push Iowa. It'll be a classic, you know, low scoring slugfest. In the big 10 West. And and so, like you said, I mean, there are a lot of different storylines going on in that conference.
1: Yeah. Nebraska beat your Northwestern Wildcats 56 <laughs> seven. So I'm glad you mentioned yeah. that. Um, I'm glad you had eyes on that game and you mentioned Ohio state. I think they're figuring it out a little bit. 52 to 13 at Rutgers. Rutgers was like a two touchdown underdog. Ohio state just, just crushed him. CJ Stroud threw five, five touchdowns and, you know, Travion Henderson left the game. He, he'll be fine. And I'm, I'm starting to starting to think that, you know, they're going to have to root for some chaos. Actually, they don't because they, they still maintain their, their destiny in the, in the Big Ten. But this is, you know, we've got an awesome collision course with Ohio State-Penn State and Ohio State-Michigan and, and Ohio State-Michigan State, as you mentioned, Robbie. Uh, the SEC, as we're just going around uh, around the whip around here before we get to Vanderbilt-UConn, yeah. I, I spent most of the first part of Saturday staying at Georgia. I, I was like, okay, Georgia's the best team in college football. Arkansas didn't stand a chance. That was 37-0. And then, of course, Alabama. Wins 42-21 against Ole Miss. It wasn't that close at all. Alabama just totally shut down that Lane Kiffin offense. You haven't seen Alabama in person, but you have seen Georgia. Could you yep. just sort of put into words? And I guess I've seen Georgia in person, too, um, in, in the week one game against Clemson. Can you just sort of put into words on what what what, what this Georgia defense especially is like seen in person?
0: Yeah, you know, against Vanderbilt, Jordan Davis, the you know, potential first round pick uh, defensive tackle who's like 6'6", six, six, 350 pounds. He only played, I think, nine or 10 plays against Vanderbilt because they just didn't need him at all. The entire defense just swarms to the ball so quickly. They've all got great size. Like there's just I can't find a weak point at this at this time. I mean, they have not allowed a single point. Since week three against South Carolina, that was a 40 to 13 game. And they have allowed, what, 23 points all season in five games. And that that includes a neutral site game against Clemson. You know, UAB is a decent conference USA team. I, like, it's not like they're playing, you know, some of the worst teams in FBS and, you know, throw in an FCS team in there or anything like that. Uh, the defense is is one of the best that I've seen for sure. And to be honest, the offense is better than I expected, you know, especially after George Pickens towards ACL and Eric Gilbert, not with the team, you know, I was wondering if they had enough at the skill positions, particularly like wide receiver and tight end to really be, you know, top of the top in terms of pushing Alabama and being right in the CFP mix, like actually to win it. Uh, But so far, they've been good enough. And Brock Bowers, the true freshman tight end, has been a big story. He was definitely impressive against Vanderbilt and dominated them. He He had a touchdown that he ran in on a tight end jet sweep from about 10, 12 yards out. So, um, you know, they've been able to make up for it. I I mean, I kind of wonder if they had Pickens and Gilbert, would this be one of the best teams in recent college football history? Because if that were the case, I would definitely like them over Alabama. I might anyway. Uh, It it just feels like those two teams are, I think, obviously on a collision course to meet in the SEC championship game, but maybe even uh, the college football playoff championship game, because uh, to me, they're just clearly – you know, a cut above the rest of the teams. You know, the entire rest of the FBS. I just think it's those two at the top, and and I'm not even sure who I would put after. Maybe Cincinnati.
1: If we did like a most improved award in college football, I'd want to give it to Stetson Bennett. I used yeah, it for eleven, but I he was so bad. I thought in 2020, I thought I just didn't really give them a chance to win in the big games, and I wouldn't have blamed him for transferring, pushing to action against, uh, I believe UAB, and then. Uh, yesterday, it says something about how good your team is when you're playing the number eight team in college football and you can afford to sit out your star, former five-star quarterback, future NFL draft pick quarterback because of an injury. Uh, JT Daniels is still just dealing with a core issue, um, the lad. Maybe that's the you know in the
0: yeah, back, but what, and I don't even um, think you know Arkansas. I know some people had questions about them. I really liked them coming into the season. I don't think they're a flash in the pan. So Georgia beat a really good team, a team that I firmly believe is between you know 15 and 25 in the country, and they beat them like a drum with the backup quarterback.
1: Yeah, uh, Alabama. I mean, everyone watched it, right? Bryce Young. Yeah. He's he's now the Heisman front runner. Brian Robinson Jr. 36 carries, 171 yards, four touchdowns. He earned himself some money on Saturday, and it's pretty cool to see. His story, he's, he's waited a while while Najee Harris was doing his thing in Tuscaloosa, and then Najee stayed for his senior year, and Brian was probably like, well, this, is, this was supposed to be my time, and, and now he's balling. There were some other SEC results, and then we're going to get to your game. Which surprised you the most, Robbie? Kentucky 20, Florida 13, Mississippi State 26, Texas A&M 22, or Auburn 24,
0: LSU 19? I'm honestly not sure that I was surprised by any of them. I may or may not have laid a, a little bit of a bet on Kentucky to win that game, and I just think they're very legit. Uh, what they- made you
1: do that? I what made you do that? Because yeah. I was I was wrong on that game, and I was wrong on Auburn LSU. I did have Mississippi State though. What what, what what did you see in Kentucky? Because I was really not impressed with what they did against South Carolina, and I thought Florida had started to really figure things out.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they. Of course, we're not good at all against South Carolina. They only beat Chattanooga by five points at home, but Kentucky does. It seems like they have one home game against either an FCS team or a really low level FBS team every season in the non-conference where they just play a really bad game and kind of eke out a victory. Uh, To me, I mean, I was impressed with their game against Missouri and I just like, I like the defense. I like the offensive line, of course, which has been a strength for a while. And I like what I've seen from uh, the quarterback, uh, Will Levis, the, the transfer from Penn State. The thing to me is, is that Kentucky just is not, like, when's the last time that they had a good quarterback, right? Uh, it, it's been a long time. I mean, you know, of course, they won like eight games or whatever it was. The season where Lynn Bowden was playing basically as a Wildcat quarterback for for a lot of the back half of the season. And I,
1: yeah, I mean, it's it's late.
0: Yeah, this. I mean now their offense is multi-dimensional, And I understand that, uh, you know, eight touchdowns against six interceptions, uh, you know, he's got to take care of the ball. He was only seven of 17 against Florida, but I-, I think at least like the big play potential is a little bit more there than it has been in the past. Whereas they were so, so one dimensional offensively uh, in previous seasons. I, I just think it kind of changes everything. And so, you know, are they better than Florida on a neutral field? Probably not but I I just really believe in kind of the talent base that they've built up. I like what they have on both lines of scrimmage. And, um, you know, I I think Florida in some ways was due to come down after a good game against Alabama, even though they lost and dominating Tennessee. So that's what I saw there out of the other two, you know, I'm not particularly surprised by Texas A&M falling flat. I, I just haven't loved what I've seen from them this season. So maybe Auburn over LSU, because I was, uh, really wondering about them after they barely beat uh, Georgia State at home. Uh, But even then, you know, LSU has been so up and down and not really impressed me this season. Uh, A lot of these, you know, kind of mid-tier SEC matchups, I think, could go either way, uh, especially like in the West between Auburn, Arkansas, Mississippi State, Texas A&M, maybe even throw Ole Miss in there.
1: I mean, LSU started that game 13. They were up 13-0. So I think Edwards' run seat's about to get pretty warm. Yes, All right, and I I want to give a little love to Tennessee, which uh, beat Missouri so badly that Missouri fired. Why am I saying it, Missouri? Uh, That Mizzou fired its defensive line coach on Sunday. All right, let's get to your game, Robbie. Vanderbilt 30, the UConn 28, Joseph the kicker, wins with time expiring for the second game this season. Vanderbilt converted a fourth down that they had to have on that drive to to topple UConn. First of all, I, I just want to say, If, if, and I'm hoping people are still listening and, you know, the the Vandy UConn stuff hasn't made people fall off. But if you're still listening, I actually sound ridiculous for saying this. I think UConn has played better as the season's worn on. So this isn't, this isn't the high school team that it was in week zero. Um, but still, I'm, I'm, I want to know, Robbie, what was it like being at this game that everyone was tweeting about for all the sorts of reasons and $6 tickets and $1 tickets? Um, what was the crowd like? What was the vibe like? Did you enjoy it?
0: The crowd actually was better than I was expecting because it was also raining. So I thought there would be like 12 people there. There was, there were more people than I was expecting, but yeah, the stadium was probably, uh, I don't know, 35% full or something like that. It's a little hard to tell because of where the press box is. You kind of, you're right on top of one side of the stands. And so you can't really completely tell how many people are are on that side. Uh, but it was pretty funny. Like I didn't notice the thing where uh, that's going around the internet where uh, the Vanderbilt flag person, you know, they score a touchdown and you run the flag back and forth. That person, I guess like ran in the actual end zone while Vanderbilt was taking the extra point. I did not notice that in person. So that's always fun to see uh, pop up on Twitter. You know, the funniest part was at the end when um, you know, the, the field goal goes through the uprights and they shoot off all these fireworks and I saw those on my
1: Uber on the way home.
0: Yeah, whichever, um, you know, however many fans stayed for the whole game, were there celebrating, and then it immediately starts pouring again. So it's simultaneously like there's just a torrential downpour while all these fireworks are going off. It's the first home game that they've won since I have been covering Vanderbilt for 24-7. I mean, it's been since November 2019, the last time they won a home game. Uh, it was such a strange experience. I mean, the, the game was really weird. UConn needed a fourth and 18 conversion. Uh, that should have been an interception just to to score the game-tying touchdown. And yeah, it's always a little bit, you know, you can be a little bit taken aback when UConn is faster than an SEC team. That's, that's the reality right now for Vanderbilt. Like you said, I do think UConn is not quite the high school team that they were earlier in the season. They've showed some life, and then that kind of sets up uh, the real game of the century, right? UConn at UMass next weekend. <laughs> I'll take the Huskies in that one, actually. I think uh, I think they showed me enough to suggest that even though they're still one of the worst teams uh, in college football, they are at least improving somewhat. Uh, UMass is also 0-5, UConn's 0-6. So that's going to be very entertaining for all the wrong reasons.
1: Yeah, and then I think I would even maybe like Yale to pick off UConn in a few weeks. And, and uh, I don't know. Look, I don't know if that's the last win of the 2021 season for Vanderbilt. I'm, I'm trying to see, you know, maybe I don't know. I don't want to sound like an idiot you know, home against Missouri. I'm not going to, I'm not going to play this game with you. If Vanderbilt goes two and 10, what's, what is, uh, what is, what is Clark Lee's message? Um, that's probably, probably about expectations. This team didn't win a game last year, but what's the messaging going to look like here in Nashville? And what's the uh, step forward? I'm going to say probably time to go hit the transfer portal. I know they don't want to, I know Clemson doesn't want to do the portal. I know a few other teams don't want to, but I, I think you need to. But as far as the team culture, would two and 10 be enough to solidify some of that stuff?
0: Yeah, that's a tough question because I fully agree with you. I I think the roster needs so much work. There's going to be a good amount of guys who leave at the end of this season. Um, Either, you know, guys who are Mason guys who are graduating and will not get their scholarships renewed after they graduate or uh, guys who hop in the portal because they don't vibe with the new staff. You know, that's that's all understandable. So they're going to lose a fair amount of guys, I would think. And uh, Clark Lee said like last week that he sees them taking three or four transfers per cycle. I totally agree with you. I think they need to take at least 10. They they need to go hard on the transfers and get some veteran uh, actual, you know, talent guys who have played at the power five level and can do something for them to help improve the team speed. But I think the messaging will, will pretty much just be the same that it has been the entire time, which is uh, Derek Mason left us with a mess and we're doing our best to clean it up because that has been, even if it hasn't been explicit, uh, there's a lot of talk about, you know, changing the culture and completely rebuilding the program. The old program doesn't exist anymore. This is a new program. Team one. You know, I think that's fine. And it's it's not, you know, I don't even necessarily think it's untrue. I mean, anybody can watch Vanderbilt play and, and they don't have a lot of SEC athletes, very, very few. And so there's certainly some truth to that. But at the same time, you know, two and ten, that's that's pretty rough. They got uh, there was a, they suffered a de- decommitment at defensive back right before the UConn game. And, and that's a position that they need more speed and athleticism at. And I, I think, you know, there are other programs who know that Barton Simmons is kind of the lead scout for them and have their eyes on, on various Vanderbilt commits and are going to try to flip them. So that gets really, All right, so you're uh, that's
1: so the the respect for Barton's high enough to where if they get a kid who's might, might not even be ranked before he gets the offer. Yeah. And then we get some film on him and he, he's good, but we got schools saying, okay. I I see what you're saying. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I I definitely think that's a thing. Uh, There have been a number of guys, you know, compared to the 2021 cycle, there have been a lot more guys this season who they get committed and they're not rated very high, rated at all. And then all of a sudden they get a rating and they're high three stars or they get a bump up to high three stars. We got a Vandy bump. Right. Yeah. Isn't that I mean, you know, that's not normally how it works at all. (laughs) <laughs> so is uh, uh,
1: barton yeah. is barton pushing for silent commitments them Sign in December.
0: <laughs> yeah i don't know i don't know but it, it will be interesting because i don't know that the team is going to be a whole lot better next season in terms of on-field results they're going to be playing a fair amount of true freshmen true sophomores and so if you go like two and ten or three and nine in year two then that becomes a problem and uh so you know it's it's gonna be very interesting to see how this plays out uh, because they they don't have a lot of talent, and sure some of that was shortcomings from the old staff. But at the same time, there are players who had been decent last season who have regressed. And so, will there be any staffing changes? You know, the the OC who, who they hired is now not calling the plays. Uh, yeah. There's a fair amount to figure out.
1: Yeah, my uh, David Rye from the College Football Daily podcast a few months ago. Real quick, before I let you go, a few early lines are out. I know you're working today, so you've probably seen them. Uh, do you, speaking of Vanderbilt, Robbie, I feel like you've been winning money this season. Is Florida cover 38 in the swamp against the doors?
0: Oh, yeah. Easy. Okay.
1: Have you watched enough Texas and Oklahoma to, to know if you feel good about OU minus three and a half? Or can you give me a little Longhorn line hope?
0: Yeah, I would. You know, it depends on where that ends up. I would kind of like Texas money line. Depending on you know if that could get up to like plus one fifty or or higher I don't know where it's at right now but I, I kind of like that Texas plus three and a half. All
1: right, last one number four Penn State at number three Iowa. Iowa's two and a half point favorite. That could be a pick, I and mean, I still want to know where to go.
0: Uh, I'd go Penn State there. Uh, what's what's the total?
1: Forty two and a half.
0: Under. <laughs> under <laughs> i'll Speaking take those, the under yeah, on it i'm
1: i'm done betting the wisconsin unders because quarterback incompetence for two weeks in a row turnovers have just crushed me yeah
0: I. yeah yeah fair yeah fair i think i think i like i just like penn state's overall talent base in that game against iowa uh i i could easily get burned i think those are two very good teams but uh i i'd take them there
1: I think I'd also hammer Bama minus 17 at College Station. Oh, yeah. All right, Robbie, you're a good sport. This is really good. Appreciate you coming on, uh, talking Vandy with us, talking college football with us. Uh, what, what's your Twitter? What's your Twitter handle, Robbie? You
0: know, at RW Weinstein, if you want uh, all your all your latest Vanderbilt football news.
1: All right, go follow him there. Our producer is Lance <laughs> Glenn. He's licking his wounds over a horrible Rutgers loss, but is probably glad the New York football giants finally won a game. My name is Trey Scott. Have a great Monday. We'll talk to you on Tuesday for the next edition of the College Football Daily.